When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, and this is show number 14. We are on this morning, the following stations, Country 107.7, WDLC, 106.9, WYNY, and Wall Radio on the following frequencies. On the FM, 94.1-94.9-105.7-106.1-and-on-the-am-1340-and-101.5-HD2-good-morning-everyone-thanks-for-tuning-in-that-was-a-great-song-uh-playing-here-my-man-gavin-had-that-lined-up-and-our-uh-
Um, a book also I read last year, and I have it here with me, Talk Like Ted, The Nine Public Speaking Secrets of the World's Top Minds, written by Carmine Gallo, is a great book. I'm reading it now, and, and he goes through a number of uh, different things, and I'm jotting down the TED Talks that he is recommending in this book. So I suggest you do the same. Again, the book is Talk Like Ted. Get on YouTube, just type in TED Talks, and there's a ton of things there. That being said, I do want to share two quick stories. If you have kids at home, if they're older kids, younger kids, wh- wherever it is, you want to talk about to them about telling the truth. Certainly we could yell at our kids. We could tell them to tell the truth. We can always be honest. But again, how about a great story? So here it is. Fire, water, and truth were walking through the forest. And they looked at one another and said, hey, we should make a plan that if we get separated, we, we can find one another. And they said, that's a great idea. Fire said, well, you won't have to look too far for me if I get separated. You just have to find the smoke and possibly the heat. Water said, same for me. You don't have to look very far. Just find the green grass, find the green trees, or even look for some puddles or a lake, and you'll find me. Truth said, well, if you lose me, you'll never get me back. So protect me and always keep me close. And that's a great story that you could share again with anybody of any age about what being truthful means and keeping your integrity and always telling the truth because if you become a liar, if people know you're lying, they're not going to believe you. And I've used that story with kids at school and I've used that story with my own children. The second is uh, also, I believe, a great story and it's about trying to find the best in situations. We've all been around positive people. I happen to be sitting next to one right now, the Mayor Kelly Decker, uh, who always finds a positive in, in any situation, but we've also been around negative people, people that no matter what the situation is, they look at it negatively and find out and point out the things that are wrong or could go bad. So here's the story. In the olden days, uh, there was a farmer, and the farmer woke up one morning, and his horse was missing. Someone had left the gate open, and he says, oh, man, I lost my horse. The farmer went into town, and all the townspeople said, oh, my God, it's terrible. You lost your horse. What are you going to do? And the farmer said, it might be good. It might be bad. You never know. Two days later, the horse came back and brought three other horses with him. They were wild horses, and they came back to the, to the pen. Now the farmer had four horses. It was fantastic. He goes into town, and all the townspeople were excited. Oh, my God. You have four horses. That's incredible. No one around here has four horses. And the farmer said, it might be good. It might be bad. You never know. Two days later, the farmer's 19-year-old son was riding one of the wild horses, trying to uh, uh, tame the horse, and the horse threw him, broke his leg. The 19-year-old boy was laid up in the the house, and uh, the farmer went into town. The townspeople, oh, that's terrible. What a terrible situation. How are you going to run the farm? How are you going to manage the farm with your son laid up? That's a terrible situation. And you could probably imagine what the the farmer said. It might be good. It might be bad. You never know. Two days later, the U.S. Army knocked on the door. 
They asked the farmer, please produce your son. We're conducting the draft, and we do need to sign him up for the army to send him to war. And the farmer turned around and pointed to his son laying on the bed. He says, unfortunately, he has a broken leg, and he's, he will be unable to attend. And the army crossed him off the list, and they went on to the next house. The farmer went into town, and he said to uh, the townspeople said to him, Wow, you are so fortunate. Look at that situation. They didn't take your son. He didn't go off to war. You know, he's not, you're not going to lose him in the war. That's incredible. And the farmer said, it might be good. It might be bad. You never know. So the moral of the story, I don't have to tell you what the moral of the story was, but if you maintain a positive outlook and you look at different situations uh, positively, you'll find a positive outcome. That farmer didn't dwell on the negative things, nor did he celebrate when something went his way. That's life. So many things are going to get thrown at you. I could think about how many curveballs happened just today, uh, the first day of school here. I'm, I'm recording with Mr. Decker earlier uh, this week. It's Saturday morning now, but school just came back, and so many positives and some negatives happen every day. That's a great story that you could share with people to Keep things in perspective. So, back to the initial concept. With school starting, if you're a teacher, you're a principal, you're, you're an educator, uh, in your business, regardless of what it is, do you want to present just facts, just statistics, or do you want to tell a story? My good friend Dr. Gilbert says, facts tell, stories sell. Get those kids' attention. Get your employees' attention. Get your family's attention with great stories. Think about the last wedding you went to. Was the best man speech or the best uh, woman's speech or whatever they call it, maid of honor speech, uh, was it fantastic? Did it knock your socks off? Or was it someone who was boring and just went up there and said some nice things about their brother or sister? Tell a story. In preparing for today's show, again, talking about the book Talk Like Ted, written by Carmine Gallo. He writes in there that the TED Talks are approximately 18 to 20 minutes. And the most successful ones, the people on average tell stories for 65 to 70% of that time. So if it's a 20-minute talk, you're looking at 12 to 15 minutes of just storytelling. And it, and it captures those people's attention. And if you do start looking at those TED Talks, uh, you'll, know, you'll notice that it's all storytelling. And I picked up this habit from, again, Dr. Gilbert, and I've been working on it. I have a terrible memory. As a kid, I fell off a fence, and I had a terrible concussion, and I forget a lot of the things. So I do have to write them down, and I do practice them. And I did practice those two stories today. I hope you enjoyed them. So... The Power of Storytelling. Call the hotline, 973-743-4690. Dr. Gilbert will certainly help you become a better storyteller. And watch TED Talks on YouTube or pick up the book, Talk Like Ted by Carmine Gallo. We are up against a break. We are going to be back with one of Port Jervis's finest, Mayor Kelly Decker, here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Surviving and Thriving. We'll be right back. And they called it Poppy Love. 
Welcome back to everyone to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. This is show number 14, and I am Andrew Murata. We are on Country 107.7 WDLC, 106.9 WYNY, and Wall Radio. Very happy and very proud to have one of Port Jervis's finest here in studio with us on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Mayor Kelly Decker. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mr. Moran. I appreciate it. You certainly could call me Andrew here on the <laughs> air, Kelly. We're, uh, we're not in formal setting right now. That's okay. That's what I'm used to. Yeah. And you're dressed up. You got your shirt and tie, and you probably just left school and going to head to some uh, mayor duties here. Kelly, I want to start with, you know, I, I was organizing the show, putting the, the, the question list together, and, and really you have done and are doing so many things it was hard for me to to narrow down this this question list for you because you're doing so many things for Port Jervis. Tell me about as mayor, as a teacher right now, your versatility. You know, you've been a police officer in town. You bring so much to the table. Tell me about the the characteristic and the, and the skill of of being versatile as a leader. So, of course, um I have a lot to thank when in growing up here in Port Jervis, my, my teachers, I, I've put it out on, on Facebook even, my teachers, the teachers that I had in, in Port Jervis School District were absolutely fantastic. And mind you, I, I was not the greatest student. I, I really actually, by the time I got through high school, <laughs> didn't even care if I was still there. Um, and, and that's going to come with growth as I got older. I hope our senior class isn't listening yeah, right Yeah, well, <laughs> probably Jack Decker won't be listening. <laughs> but the... But the um, but I tell kids now why. I give them the reasons why. My my parents uh, really instilled on us to do the best that we could do, to always treat people properly, to to um, to be respectful, um, even if you're being disrespected. And um, I think one thing in my leadership just led into another. I, I had Marion Rohner um, as my den mother, and uh, when I started Scouts, and and at that. My whole scouting experience was just absolutely wonderful, too. Uh, after Marion Rohner, who, you know, is the Guinness Book of World Records holder for the longest-running den mother, I, I was one of her den chiefs when I moved on to Boy Scouts, and I had George Boos, who just unbelievable when it came to camping and, and traveling across country, and, and, and it, it was just so enlightening. And these are leaders, and I, I looked at leaders. Um, in my church, I had uh, Dick Avery and Don Marsh. Uh, they, were, they were world leaders in Christian music. They, they produced so much music. So I think leadership was, was there as part of me that I didn't even realize until I became older. And they say, you know, we're teaching young people now that you become— similar to those five people that you're around most. So when did it click in you, Kelly, when you were younger about that you might have leadership skills? Actually, I was a senior in high school and uh, actually it was our junior year, the end of our junior year. And um, our class knew they were struggling for, for money to, to pay for. We didn't have a class trip back then uh, because we didn't have any money, but we, we needed money for the prom and some other things that we were going to do. And, um, you know, a bunch of kids came to me and said, hey, listen, why don't you run as a class officer? I said, all right. I, you know, I thought about it. I, I Back in the middle school, I was in the, um, uh, what are they, when they, when they do the, um, uh, 
they have they have like the student council, the body of the student council, mm-hmm. and there was homeroom representatives sure. and alternates. Uh, so so I did that, but I hadn't done anything through high school. I was involved with the plays and and soccer. Um, so I said, you know, what, I'll give it a shot, and I I, I won hands down. Uh, you know, as social chairman of the class, and of course I was told then, um, Patty uh, uh, Shankovitz was our. Um, class advisor uh she had a different name she got, no no, no. Uh, patty mcginnis no um really oh santini santini patty, patty santini, santini. Yeah. yeah and she said to she said i remember her conversation with me saying listen you are the social chairman of the class that means you have to plan all the reunions i'm like how did i get into this <laughs> right so um but fortunately enough uh, a lot of my classmates have stepped up in our last three reunions um but we 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 did lead the way we we uh raised the money and uh you know it, it's part of just getting people behind you and and uh and being part of you want to get people people involved. And, and I don't really look at it as like being a leader. I, I just say, okay, here's some ideas and how, how do these sound and can we go forward with them? When you started then probably gathering friends around you and, 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 you know, building up that, that class and, uh, you know, you became a police officer here in town. You served in the, in the air force, the, right. the air national guard. In the, in the air national guard. I was there for four years, uh, full time and then, and then finished out 23 years, uh, in the reserves. But uh, in that capacity, I was a combat cameraman and, uh, traveled around the world, saw so many different things actually there capturing with, uh, Manuel Nordiega and, and, uh, in, in, in Panama during just cause. And then in traveling into Saudi Arabia and Iraq and Kuwait. Um, in search of uh, back then it was Saddam Hussein and uh, and possibly Osama bin Laden and uh, you know and and then and then getting into standing up and helping for um, there were earthquakes throughout the world there were hurricanes Hurricane Andrew was big and and um, and, and and helping people and just just guiding people and talking to them and you know it, it, like I said it just I don't know it almost seems natural. And Kelly, t- you know, you went you went from that national scale to then. There's always seems to have been a focus that you, you on the youth of, of Port Jervis. Really, as mayor, as a teacher, you were the dare officer. You made those incredible videos. Where where again did that focus of leadership to help the young people? Where did that come from? So. I- Again, uh, growing up in Port Jervis and, and knowing the leaders that I had, you know, when I when I grew up, I looked at it as like, okay, now kids need something too. And I, I always try to say I want to keep young at mind. I mean, I have the I have my four boys and they were all at that those varying ages. I think when I started when I started teaching dare for uh, the police department, uh, James was in fourth grade. He's my oldest. And then and then all the way through to Jack. So I, I spent almost 10 years as the dare officer. And and, you know, and then when we did the videos and we did other leadership stuff, we got involved in the community and. I would go out and say, okay, we're going to have a cleanup day. And, you know, I, I had the ability to reach out to the 250 kids that I had in, in the D.A.R.E. program and say, hey, who wants to help? We're going to um, have a Veterans Day parade or we're going to have a Memorial Day parade. Let's, you know, let's uh, represent uh, the Portrait School District and, and be a part of that. Kelly, you've done so many things uh, for this community. You just mentioned a couple as the, as the D.A.R.E. officer. But I, I have written down here, I have versatility. I have leadership. I have positive attitude and, you know, an investment in this community. 
Uh, you are in your fourth year as mayor, and you're running unattend, uh, unopposed. Uh, so you're going to be the mayor again for for at least two more years. Is the limit six years? Is that it? So so there is there is no limit, and and I don't want to say no. I'm not running after six years, but uh, to be honest with you, when I when I dis when I had in mind, and this was like about when my dad ran and and was mayor, um, he he had always said, "I'm only running one term," and and I liked the concept of saying, "Hey, I can come in and I can make a change in two years." One thing I learned as mayor is you can't make a change in two years. There's too many things going on and too many things that you need to try to work on the city's behalf to, that you wouldn't get finished in two years. So. Ultimately, um, in, in doing a lot of research on how effective people, you know, stay in office, uh, is a strategic plan, a strategic plan for our city. When you've probably heard it growing up in Port Jervis, people grow, oh, there was so much to do in Port Jervis. There were so many shops. There were so many, you know, it, it, it was a busy place. And now there seems to be nothing. Well, I totally, totally disagree with the people, um, as they say, the naysayers who say there's nothing to do in Port Jervis. Even prior to me coming into office, there have always been things to do. You just have to go out and look for them. Um, a lot of people don't reach out and try to pull people in, but the schools have so many activities in sport. You don't have to like sports. You don't have to like to sing or play an instrument. There are just activities and you can be actively involved. Um, my, the first day, the first day I teach seventh grade social studies and the first day this week on Tuesday, I said to kids, this is your home. And it, you're going to hear people talk negative about porchers. You're going to hear people talk negative about Deer Park, but it's where you live. It's your home. Make it the best you can make it. It's so easy to say, ah, I give up and just go somewhere else. And, oh, it's all done for me. And I love it here. I, you know, you hear people go down. So I, I absolutely love it. But the one thing that I notice is a lot of people come back and that's because it's not their home. This is your home. Make your home the best you can make it. So I came up with a five-year strategic plan. It's not one. Well, first of all, it's, it's again, my plan. So it's, I put it out to the council, and I hope for ideas and for changes and for people to alter it because uh, one person can't do everything, and one person's not always right. You need the input from your community. You need the input from your elected officials. And, um, and, and the important part is, you're willing to sit and negotiate. Negotiate is is an important key to leadership. Uh, to to be able to listen to other people and to be able to incorporate those ideas into the one single idea, so that everybody comes out, you know, almost feeling like a winner, almost saying, "Hey, you know what? I, we are all a part of this." Kelly, I'm not a politician, nor do I p- pretend to play one on TV. But I, what I do hear, people want stuff done. They want improvements done, but they don't want taxes raised. They don't. Yeah. Where, where is that line? How do you find that line to make improvements but not raise people's taxes? So I have to go back and I have to look at the history of things. So, um, and, and I try to preface this right from the beginning. I pay taxes, too. I pay the same taxes everybody else pays, and I certainly just like everybody else do not want to pay more taxes but i have to look at these communities when 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 the people of port Jervis say hey i want a pool when the people of port Jervis say i want businesses downtown when people of port Jervis say i want um things developed for our kids i want those things too how do we do them well you know some of the big projects that are that are in the works right now you look at 
public-private partnership. You know, the, the, what that is is somebody with money comes in and they develop it and then they get some revenue and it eventually the, the city benefits because it's on city property or, or the city does a partial running of it. Um, that, that's for some big projects. But like when people say, hey, we want to pool in Port Jervis, what, what they're not understanding is, is that there's guidelines that you have to follow and you're really restricted as far as the health department goes and you're restricted about the state and what they expect from you. And when you build a pool, it's not just like going down to the pool, local pool store and saying, hey, I want a $30,000 pool with a liner in it. Can you make it? You know, can, can you put it in? The, a, a pool for, for residents would cost about a million dollars. Um, and then from the million dollars, it's probably about a hundred to $150,000 a year to run the pool between the chemicals and the cleaning and the upkeep and the maintenance that need to be done on a pool. So it, it when I say $150,000 for, if you were just to raise taxes, taxes itself would be probably about, you know, it'd probably be about four to 5% because you have to you have to do the maintenance and that's ongoing every year. It would be a one time four or five percent to pay for that pool. But but the thing is is people don't want their taxes to go up because you always have contractual obligations. You know, your police department just like anybody else that works, uh, I want to get paid more next year. Uh, the next person wants, you're going to have health insurance, health insurance rates go up, your retirement rates go up. So those contractual obligations we have to have. Otherwise, if we don't make them, we have to cut tax. If we cut taxes or, or we leave taxes where they are, we have to cut personnel and then your services lack. We don't want a lack of services in our town, Mayor Decker. So, uh, but we're going to have some more questions for you. We do need to take a commercial break. We will be right back, everyone, on education, leadership, and beyond, surviving and thriving with our guest, Port Jervis's own Mayor Kelly Decker. He called her on the road from a lonely cold hotel room just to hear her say I love you one more time. And when he heard the sound Welcome back, everyone. Good morning here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. This is show number 14 with our guest, Kelly Decker. He's got some love songs uh, going this morning. So, Kelly, let's speaking of the loves of your life, let me jump in. and uh, I want to talk a little bit about your family, your wife, Jill. And uh, you mentioned your four boys that have uh, come through the school district. Your youngest son, Jack, uh, is a senior this year. But James, Mackenzie, Connor... And, and Jack, Kelly, as mayor, again, we just joked off air, we could, we could do a marathon show, 24-hour show with Kelly Decker because there's so many things you're working on. You're so energetic. You're doing so many things. How do you make time as a leader in this community to make sure that you, you, you keep your family first and you, and you have that time for your family? And family is first. I, I will tell you, though, that my family have given up a lot, including my mom. We, we can't forget my mom. Uh, they've, they've given up a lot for, for me to uh, 
uh, help move Port Jervis forward. Um, Mom makes sure that I have to stop by at least once a week, if not more often. Um, and, and Jill's very tolerant. As a matter of fact, af- after we're done recording here, I have um, a half an hour window before I have to go to a meeting and she'll have dinner ready. And so whoever's, whoever's there at the time will have dinner because the boys all work now. And, um, you know, I have two out of college, James and Mackenzie. Um, but we made time to make sure when, when Jill says, Hey, listen, we need to go up and see the boys or we need to do this, you know, or, or we have this game. We, we make those, you know, I, I make sure that we're, uh, the, the calendar's clear. And uh, again, Kelly, this show is about so many things. And uh, and as a leader with, with your family, you know, your boys are, are such great, great boys. And, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to, to be around them. Kelly, I've had the conversation uh, really with all of them that I understand the magnifying glass that your children might fairly or unfairly be put under sometimes because they're Kelly Decker's kid. And, and not just Kelly Decker's kid, but Ross Decker's grandchildren, grandchildren. because my dad... Um, I have never, never had a person say anything negative about my dad. My dad would go out and say hello to people. And he, you know, he just instilled on a, in, in all of us, because I have a sister and two brothers, that, you know, you're polite to people. And even though they may not be nice to you, and, and people would see this, they could see it on TV, that people sometimes aren't nice to me. You know, it's just, uh, it, it's part of, of the position that I took and that, um, you're going to try to do the best that you can for them. Are you going to satisfy everybody? No, you're not going to satisfy everybody. And I've tried to do the same thing with my, my children and Jill, well, Jill has too. Um, you know, one of the things that I had mentioned before is how I, I got to high school and it was like, oh, I'm really dumb with school. And, uh, we've instilled in our kids that, you know, education is priority. Um, as a history teacher, I teach how history can repeat itself if it's if it's not fixed or if it's not uh, corrected and, and, and readjusted in the eyes of people who, who watch history. Um, my father, he, he wasn't a great student in school, in high school either. He went into the Navy. And then once he had a family, he realized that education was priority. And he went and got his master's. He became a, a health administrator and became mayor. Um, I was the same way. I went into the military. But then eventually I went back and I got my master's degree. We told our children... It was very, very difficult. It was a lot of time given up on my part and my dad when he went um, on the family when we went back to school. You want to get all your schooling done before you start your family. And, uh, and we've continued that. And, and like uh, the, the three boys, I, I, we, we've been very, very blessed with our boys being healthy boys and, and, and trying to do the right thing, you know, obviously under that microscope. Um, but, but, you know, still being, you know, kids and, and still having friends and still being able to do what kids do and they make mistakes. Um, but thank God they haven't been huge mistakes. And, um, like I said, James and Mackenzie both graduated college in May. Uh, so they're on to looking for their careers. Connor is, you know, he got a full ride in college. I mean, you can't beat that. And, but, but the kid really worked hard and, and Jack, Jack is the same as me. He, he says, you know, I really don't, I know what I want to do. He wants to be a police officer also. Um, I got two that want to follow my footsteps and that's Mackenzie and and Jack. But Jack says, you know, I think I'm going to take a leave from college, you know, from school with college. I'm going to go into the air force and and go into security and I said, well, that's great because I know how all the GI Bill works and you're going to get your degree while you're while you're doing your four years. You'll come out with a degree. 
Kelly Decker, always educating young people, whether they're his own or uh, kids in this community. Kelly, you uh, you mentioned your dad. Um, you know, and uh, we've learned the most from our fathers. And uh, you know, we're on the fifth year anniversary of you losing your dad. Um, your mom comes each year to the scholarship. Uh, you mentioned about your father teaching you to be respectful and polite to others. You know, and in, in in a small town here, you know, what are some of the other lessons you learned from your dad that you'd like to share today? So uh, our family on the Decker side is generational here. Obviously, we go all the way back to the early 1700s. And um, I think I think that become that makes you part of the community that you're in. You're a long term. It's funny. I hear people say all the time, oh, you know, I'm just a transplant here, so I don't matter. And, and, and I don't look at it that way. And I think my father explained to me that you embrace everybody. Everybody has something to offer. They just they just need to find what it is that they have to offer. And by treating people with respect and 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 um, and and being honest with them and, um, you know, I, I just can't say enough nice things about my dad. He, he, he really was a great, great father. Listen, when I talk about corporal discipline, I got corporal discipline at times with my father, but every time I can look back, I, I deserved it. You know, I remember one time hitting my sister, Oh boy, Nini, you're not supposed to touch girls. And it was only a slap on the hand, but you know, you know, he, he taught a lesson and, and, and my father, my father learned from his father. His father worked for Orange and Rockland for years. His grand, his mother, my grandmother, was the first graduate of the Ohio Conservatory of Music. She was the first female graduate, you know. Uh, and so, so, it's, and they met uh, because my grandfather and and my grandmother's brother were were together in the uh, in the ditches of World War One uh, as uh, doughboys in the army. But a- anyway, he uh, he reminded us of a lot of our history. Uh, we were very close in family. All our family was close, both on my mother and my father's side. Uh, my my mother's side all came up from Bergen County. And uh, but this is where they decided their home was going to be. Uh, same thing with Jill and I. We dated in high school. We went our separate ways when I went in the service and she was in college. And then we came back together and we decided this is our home. We're going to raise our children here, our families here. And you're doing great things for Port Jervis. Uh, you know, I have a book coming out uh, here uh, at the end of the month here. Uh, the Principal, Surviving and Thriving. Well, you could you could write all kinds of books about Port Jervis <laughs> and the history and probably do a, its own uh, portion between you and Deb Cassara, Ancestry.com. Well, let me tell you something about Deb. If I, if I don't remember, all I have to do is call her and ask her, hey, do you remember who? The, and she knows. Oh, she knows, yeah. and she taught them, and, and she, she taught, taught them. their parents. Right, exactly. Kelly, I, I want to shift gears. You and I could talk so many things positively and, and challenges that we have in Port Jervis, but one of the, the challenges that we have that's near and dear to both of us, being educators and yourself a former police officer, is, is drugs in, in our community. Um, we unfortunately have had uh, some, some incidents here, which, which I don't think is, is different than any other community, but it hits home when it's your community about losses. Kids we've taught, people that you've worked with, uh, young, young people that you've known using drugs and, and them losing their lives. Hmm. Um, how can we as a community win this battle? And, and, and what can we be doing? So... Uh, it's really, it's really a difficult process. You know, um, 
first of all, we know that heroin is the biggest problem right now. And heroin actually was created by the Bayer Aspirin Company. It was called the Hero Drug. It was created right after the Civil War because people were hooked on um, morphine. And it was supposed to be the drug to take them off morphine. Now you have methadone and suboxone. And what methadone and suboxone are is it, it brings them up to that euphoric feeling, but it doesn't affect their fine motor skills. Um, but, but again, this is, this is all stuff that's expensive. I, I've reached out and I've talked to a father who lost their son uh, to, to heroin because, you know, I, and I'm going to just tap on myself and knock on wood that, uh, you know, my kids haven't been involved in it or, or my kids' friends haven't been involved in it. I'm not saying that, that they, they aren't because, you know, you never know. They're, they're, sure. they're literally parents who have said, I never knew. And it's not, it's, not because, um, it's not because they're ignorant or blind to it. It's a real way to hide it. Uh, people who use um, can be the average Joe that you talked to and had a normal conversation with, not even realizing that they're under the influence of, of some type of narcotic. Um, it started out with the pills. Now, how are we fixing this problem? And this is, this is not just even local, state, or national. This is global. Um, but the United States is, and, and the state of New York has really worked to try to start fixing the, the pill issue. All right, that's, where, that's part of where it begins. Um, the... And, and everything that I'm going to talk about are steps. These are steps that have to grow into bigger steps. Um, so when we look at people who are using, we need to first stop people from using. And education is huge. Education, is to me, is the biggest part of this whole equation. And I'm not talking about DARE, where you have uh, 10 weeks for 45 minutes a day, and then you leave the kids to their own vices. We need a true teacher from kindergarten to 12th grade, and not just one teacher, I'm talking one in every grade, that teaches kids at different levels about drugs all the way up to your your senior in high school. Um, you really just have to drive it in what, and, and be real about it. It can't, it can't You can't just uh, have a box program. You have to have somebody that really knows about the drugs and the effects of the drugs and, and kids at their certain psychological ages and how, how the drugs are going to affect them and what it's going to do to them. Because once you get to that point, once you get to that full educational point, then you can look at the drugs because we want to try to get rid of the drug cartel. It's almost like you could say, all right, we can start investigating. Do we just legalize everything? And, and the reason I say that, and that kind of catches people off guard, because there will also be the prosecution end. In, in that legalization, you have to follow through on total prosecution, meaning the fact that if you, um, if you are caught selling any type of drugs illegally, it's, it's almost like the Rockefeller laws to the 10th degree, because... Um, they have to be harsh. You have to be arrested. You have to be incarcerated, anybody dealing in drugs. Um, so you have the education piece. You have the incarceration piece. You probably, it's, it's kind of like cigarettes. It, it drives me crazy how there's these commercials and kids don't smoke. I mean, you do have some kids smoking today. Obviously, you wouldn't have all those cigarette stores over in Pennsylvania. But, but, but cigarettes, cigarette sales in the United States have declined dramatically. But what's gone up is marijuana because... Now, they're both carcinogens. You, both, you smoke them both. One has a, a, a residual effect. The other one doesn't um, 
mentally, but but physically, they both have altering effects. You're you're breathing in carcinogen smoke, but see, that's all part of the educational process. But when you get to that point, you're going to see less people using. You're going to see people say, hey, you know what? This is a poor choice. Right now what's happening is somebody's going to a party and they're smoking marijuana and, and it's all about levels. And it's hard to show you over the radio, but think of, think of yourself um, when you get a euphoric feeling, uh, something that you really, really, really like. Well, you just you enhance that. You make it even better. So, so you, you might get this great feeling when you smoke marijuana, but then then you find out that you get a different type of marijuana. And this marijuana could be dusted with heroin. And you, whoa, you get a crazy feeling. And, and, and you never reach that level again, that, that euphoric feeling again. So you're always looking for that next high. And through education, people would start to understand how that really works. But um, Kelly, let me jump in. I know uh, our producer here, Gavin, had, had a question uh, for you on this topic. Sure. Well, actually, a quick comment and then a question. I think, unfortunately, what is happening is I think that people don't talk enough in America about how marijuana usage can lead to heroin usage. And I've seen this in the news amongst kids who uh, they don't look like people down on Skid Row. They're uh, these beautiful young people. I keep and not to say that this isn't 90 percent of the problem I keep hearing about. Oh, it's just uh, they start out on painkillers and they move up. So I don't think we talk enough about, you know, marijuana being a gateway drug. Uh, that's my comment. My question then is, what are you seeing? I don't know if you can comment on this because I was reading in The Wall Street Journal about the introduction of fentanyl, which is a synthetic heroin. It's so many times more potent than heroin. And even like if you put it on uh, the console here at the radio station, and I touched it, I could die from it. Absolutely. Um, what are you seeing of that in Port Jervis? So fentanyl, fentanyl has been the cause of the last couple of deaths that we've had here in Port Jervis. Uh, and of course, it's it's not just here. It's from wherever the source comes from. And, and if you look around, there's been other deaths in the area. Um, fentanyl is extremely, even for our police officers, you know, they touch it and, uh, and, and they can get sick from it. And we've actually had had a, a couple of police officers that that did uh, have to go to the hospital because of the absorption into the skin. But um, when we come back, I, I just want to talk about uh, the neck, just the one step that the father of the victim told me that we we should look at. We will answer that question and we'll be right back with Mayor Kelly Decker talking great things for Port Jervis, talking some challenges, uh, but all looking to do great things for our kids. We'll be back on Education, Leadership and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving with Mayor Decker. I said, Grandpa, what's this picture here? It's all black and white. The time is near. So near, stirring the blood in their veins, and yet beware. Don't let the wine go to your brains. We need a sign. And welcome back, everyone, to Education, Leadership, and Beyond Surviving and Thriving. This is Andrew Murata, and this is show number 14. Before we get back to our guest, Mayor Kelly Decker, we're going to recap the beginning of the show. Quickly, again, we are on Country 107.7 WDLC, 106.9 WYNY, and Wall Radio. The opening of the show, we talked about the power of storytelling. And as a teacher, a leader, a mayor, 
the CEO of a company, who's ever listening out there, a parent to your children, become a great storyteller. Two tips you could do. Number one, call the success hotline. Our friend, Dr. Rob Gilbert, he's a friend of the show. He listens to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. 973-743-4690. Dr. Rob is always giving tips on there and uh, great stories on there as well. Secondly, listen or watch TED Talks. Type in whatever uh, subject you're listening to. There's personal stories, there's stories about others, and there's stories about success. Get involved with those TED Talks. We're going to bring Mayor Kelly uh, Decker back in. Mayor Decker, you wanted to finish a point of, uh, about a gentleman in this community that lost his son? Yeah, so I, I, I've been struggling with the whole Narcan issue. Uh, you know, we have people out there that, like, if you get a bee sting, uh, you need an EpiPen, and you have to pay hundreds of dollars for your EpiPen, and this is a medical condition, and the people can't get it. However, you get to people who have abused themselves on drugs and, you know, we immediately go in and, uh, we, but the, the medical uh, people go in and they Narcan them and they bring them right back to life. Um, and, and I've struggled with that because w- what residual effect is there at the end? So when I asked this father, I said, what do you think about Narcan? You know what he said was very interesting and it's something that could be looked into. You Narcan somebody once you bring them back. It's their chance. It's their one chance. And then they need to get into a facility. They need to be in a long-term rehabilitation because recidivative rate is over 90%, especially with heroin and methadone and all that. um, uh, Meth is is even worse. But um, the... uh, he said, bring them into long term. And that way, if they don't, if they choose not to, because m- many people just walk out, then unfortunately, the, they've caused their own demise. Um, and But that all has to come along with the education piece, too. And that, and, and that education is huge. And it has to be a big piece in order to get our people to move away from this drug addiction. And we're going to get cracking it with our kids in school. Mayor Decker, we have a writing question. We only have about a minute left. Uh, and again, if you want to email in the show, hit Andrew at com. You can email in your questions or send them in on Twitter at Andrew Murata 21. Mayor Decker, very quickly, uh, you, all your children came through school. Your youngest is a graduate. You teach seventh grade and you were the D.A.R.E. officer for so many years. Two tips to be successful in school, whether it was with your children or you do with your own chi- uh, your, your students. Offer us two tips here uh, on the show. So uh, I tell my kids right from the beginning, whether it was my own kids or, or and I say my own kids because my classroom kids are my own kids also. I say to them, pay attention. Just just take that take the opportunity. It's hard to focus sometimes, especially some people, um, you know, have short attention spans, especially at that age. But pay attention and ask questions. Be involved. Um, and I guess that would be the biggest one. Be involved. Uh, be actively involved. Um, the The second one is is behavior. You know, a, a lot of people will say, "Oh, well, I don't like school because I get in trouble." And well, getting in trouble is only brought on up by your own actions. Um, if you don't like school, that's fine. You don't like school, but if but but you're in that environment, you have to be in that environment. So do the best that you can while you're there. You know, whether you like it or you don't like it, do the best that you can. All you're going to do is lift yourself up. You're only going to make yourself better. And I use this analogy. Imagine what you know today, 
and you could take it back and go back five or 10 years, knowing what you know today, how much easier would school be or how much easier would life be if what you knew today you could use back 10 years ago. It's like Brad Paisley's country song, That's let, right. Letter to Me. Kelly, you're doing what you say. Be involved and, 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 and lift people up. And you're doing that here in Port Jervis. So proud to have you on the show. Thank I, you. I really appreciate it. And, and keep up the good work. I know you're running unopposed here, so I'm, I'm thrilled you're going to continue to be our mayor. I do want to say one thing, though. If there's anybody, anybody that's interested in, in, in being in public office and, and, and working towards making our city better, please let me know. I, I would love to have people shadow me. Come and contact Kelly Decker. You can find him in the mayor's office. Um, we are out of time, Kelly. Thank you so much. Next week, we're going to have a preview of my book. So I'm going to be the guest on my own show. Uh, we're going to preview the book coming out, The Principle, Surviving and Thriving. And we're going to end on a quote. And it's a quote from uh, the book, Talk Like Ted and Carmine Gallo. He writes, your audience wants someone or something to cheer for. They want to be inspired. Give them a hero. Captivate their imagination with stories about yourself, other people, or successful brands. That is all today on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. Go out and change the world for the better. Have a great morning, everyone. If I could write a letter to me, 